raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I am your host, Maria Moore, here to help you do that. Handle your business. Not talking about uh, salads and exercising and stretching in this episode. No, we are self-reflecting this time, which can be rewarding and daunting at the same time. Joining me, I have diversity, equity, and inclusion expert, Risha Grant, who wrote a book about overcoming our BS. And I'm not talking about the bull-ish. I'll let her explain that. Along with ways we can squeeze life, maximize our relationships on and off the job, and use the power of discipline to be our best selves. Risha Grant, welcome to the Mind, Body, and Business podcast. How are you doing, my sister? I am great. I'm looking at this bio. I'm like, this lady going to have me tied up for three hours. Oh, my goodness. It's so great to have you on the Mind, Body, and Business podcast. I believe who you are and what you do and what you represent is so aligned with our message here and our listeners. I'm excited to talk about your new book. We know the traditional term of BS, but it stands for so many other things. Bias fear. Uh, that you're going to be sharing with us as well. But let me give you a proper introduction. Risha Grant is diversity personified CEO, entrepreneur, black female, small town, born and raised, bisexual, spiritual, ex-preacher's wife, cusser, left-handed, former Division One athlete. Who wrote this bio? (laughs) A A few people. A few of us. (laughs) I love it. In her role as a speaker and CEO of a multi-million dollar business, she has shifted the hearts and minds of her audiences and clients from around the world. Big brands that we all recognize, Google, Procter & Gamble, YouTube, just to name a few. One of the most powerful and effective diversity, equity, and inclusion we've been seeing DEI around a lot experts in the U.S. Miss Risha Grant, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I was excited to do this. So you do have a long bio. Um, I like to ask my guests of all of their professional and personal accomplishments, which one, if you could only choose one, are you most proud of? I'm, I'm actually giving you two, one professional and one personal. Personal is, is being the world's best auntie. I oh. uh, absolutely love being an auntie to my niece and nephew. And, you know, there, there needs to be a whole other show on that. It's hard being an auntie. You yeah. got to kind of be the best friend. You can't tell the parents. You got to figure <laughs> out what to tell the parents. <laughs> and professionally, it has just been being able to impact the way that people think. Yeah. To help people think differently in a way that maybe they hadn't thought of before. A lot of people, especially uh, those of us that are are people of color, black folks, we think people should just know this stuff, and 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 to some degree they should. But if they have not had had a reason to think about it, it really just goes right over their head. We like to do things a particular way, and I think just naturally, just all races and human natures, you know what works. What are some of your strategies to get people to become more open-minded? I disarm them. I have this joke that my whole staff thinks is absolutely horrible, but all my audiences <laughs> love it, right? So I I, can't, I get people to laugh. And the other part of it is when I walk in and say, listen, we're about to get rid of the BS. I have BS. You have BS. All of us do. All of us are products of our biosphere. And I think it just kind of makes people relax because I'm not there to say, listen, I've got this all figured out. It's no, I have a lot of BS. I have a lot of bias. I don't trust white folks. And I usually I'm talking to mostly white folks. 
I walk in there, I don't trust white folks. Let me tell you why. They're able to reflect on that and be like, well, okay, yeah, I mean, that makes sense as to, as to why she would feel this way. And so the wins are really small. They're not this huge. I'm going to change everything about my belief system. They are, you know what? I see how she got there. Even if I don't agree with it, I see how she got there. And that's yeah. a win for me. You know, I think that these days with the term DEI out there and the connotation, depending on who you ask, a lot of folks kind of look at it like it's some type of remix of affirmative action. Can you talk about some of the benefits of really embracing DEI? Getting to know people that are different from you. Yeah. Opening up your world, because what we have to remember also is that the things that we carry with us, we're passing on to our kids and the people that are in our lives. And so one of the biggest benefits is asking yourself, could my thinking be wrong? Yeah. And that answer is 100 percent. Yes, it, mm -hmm. I could be wrong about the way that I am judging you simply based on how you look. I haven't had a conversation with you. I haven't, I don't know anything about you, but we're so quick to judge people in three to five seconds. We think we know everything about a person. And I think the biggest benefit from my clients is that, wow, I didn't know that. I really didn't know you were living like that. I really didn't know that the way these things were set up, because I think for a lot of people, it's everybody else. It's not the black person, you know, it's not the gay person, you know, these are people that they must have done something. Yeah. But when you start to share your experiences of just being othered in this world, those folks are like, wow, so that happened to you? Well, why? I mean, you're such a good person. Well, <laughs> the world that we live in is not good to all of us. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's good to some of us. And so I think um, and I and I think <laughs> the dichotomy. So I so I've been doing this 25 years when I talk to black folks. I really want us. This is kind of my next iteration of work. I want to <laughs> be honest about what we want from DEI. Uh -huh. Because what I found out is that we don't really want to hang with, we don't want to hang at lunch. So I have white women that say, you know what? There's a group of black women in the office. They seem to have so much fun we walk into, when I walk into the break room. I try to go to lunch with them. I've invited them. Nobody really wants to go. It's because we don't want to go to lunch, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to. And, and what, what black women will say is, look, I get one hour out the day to do me. To be okay. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about it. I barely want to go to work. <laughs> you talking about <laughs> spending my time, my lunch, my free time. <laughs> With you. And then I have to watch what I say. I've got to be yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do any of that. What we want is pay equity, promotions, <laughs> mentorship. And so I think that we need to be honest with these companies about when we say we want inclusion, what does that mean? Because yeah. we we honestly don't care about that stuff. What we care about is if I'm working the same job as you and I'm putting in all the time and the work, I need to be paid what you're paid. Absolutely. And, you know, when people think about inclusion, I think oftentimes they think of the aesthetics of it. Like, mm -hmm. I want to see a black person on the brochure. It's not just a picture. You know, I also think when you talk about communicating what we want, we need to apply that same way of thinking to ourselves. One of the biggest things for me is in the book, I talk about assessing your BS. And that is where you're doing a biosphere check. And so I ask people to name the five people closest to them. And also then to put down if you share the same religion, if you share the same politics, if you share the same race, the same sexual uh, orientation, same gender. So when I listed those people, and these can't be blood related or your spouse or anything, but the people you choose to, to have in your life. Now, I think I'm a very diverse person. I'm one of those people that would tell you, I have so many, I have an array of friends, but mm -hmm. when I made that list, there was one white person on that list and that white person is my speaking manager. And so I had to ask myself, 
would Shannon and I talk every day if we didn't work together? We really have a great time. We've become friends over the years, but I had so many other people that didn't make that list that I would have told you we're close friends. And, and, I, and I believe that we are, but when it came down to where I was spending my time, it was, it was with black folks. Um, yeah. So even though my world, I work in a world of diversity, when it came to who I chose to spend my time with, it wasn't a very open place. And so when I looked at religion and I looked at sexual orientation and, and politics, I had one person on that list that, that was not a Democrat. I had a couple of people that were not, that were, you know, identified as straight. Um, so my, my list just was not as open as I thought it was when I really looked at how, why I do the work that I do. And so that was probably the most surprising thing to me because I talked to so many different people, but they're not in that inner realm. There are people that I can call on, but I'm trying to talk through things and make sure I'm getting different perspectives, but they weren't people that I was choosing to spend personal time with. I don't want people to think that it's not okay. Like these are the people, these are people that you love. These are, I mean, one group of women, I listed all of them because we've known each other for 40 years now. We grew up together. And, um, and I was like, so it's okay that this is how it looks, but also recognize that maybe if this is how it looks, then you're not being aware of different perspectives. I'm unique because simply because of the work that I do, I absolutely have to look at different perspectives. But if you're going through that exercise and you realize that you don't have anybody around you that thinks differently from you, then you're really, you're really living in this bubble. And it's a bubble that's not indicative of the world. The world is global. We have the internet. It's not just the people around you and the people in your city anymore. It's, it's everywhere. So you've really got to open up. Um, biases will keep you from not living the life that you want to live. It's not even just about race, but it is really about who you are as a person and, the, and living the life that you envision for yourself. Because most yeah. of us aren't doing that. Yeah. We are living the life that our parents envision for us, that our mm -hmm. spouses want us to live, um, whatever we can fit into our day around our kids and, and our families. Um, we're, not, we're not living the life that we actually want to live for ourselves. There is acceptance and then there's radical acceptance. Yes. So I see all your teeth right now. So I know you're excited <laughs> to talk about yes. this. She told all her teeth like that is your jam, right? Uh, yes. How would you define radical acceptance and how do you weave this into your book? So radical acceptance, right? So most people know radical acceptance from the world of, of counseling and therapy, where it teaches you how to deal with pain. The radical acceptance that I teach teaches you how to not cause pain. So radical acceptance is a practice of welcoming and embracing other people's full humanity, including your own, with no BS. We so many times we leave the humanity of the decisions that we make. Judgment precedes the thoughts that we have. Um, it, it, we see it in hiring. We see it in our personal lives. We see it in the teams that, that we work with at work. So radical acceptance is about not causing other people pain. Does it really hurt you in a situation uh, where someone wants to be called uh, they or him, her? Like you may not understand it, but it, does it hurt you to do that? Or does it hurt them? Well, it's going to hurt them. Mm -hmm. And if a person can feel seen by that little gesture, what difference does it really make to you? Mm -hmm. If smiling at someone is going to make them feel more comfortable and more part, more a part of that team, what is it going to cost you to smile at somebody? It's so interesting to me that I talk to people in their 30s, 40s, 50s and up, and they say to me, 
my manager never says hello and never smiles at me. I always think that I'm doing something wrong. If a manager, you're in a person of, you're in a place of leading people. You mean you can't walk in a room and say, good morning, how's everybody doing and smile at them. Employees don't know, they don't know that you don't have an issue with them. So these are small things that I call micro inclusions, but they are things that show acceptance of people. There are certain people that we all have in our heads or that we were taught to fear. Mm -hmm. So if I get on and I always use an elevator because I think it's a great place because you can't get off the thing until it stops. And, you know, but think about when somebody gets on that elevator with you and makes you uncomfortable and you just kind of kind of squeeze in the corner as much as you can pull all your personal items in. When that happens with me, what I do is I'm like, okay. This is some BS. Let's um, let's say hello. And so I smile like, hey, how's it going? Now, I'm from a small town, so that's not a big deal to me. Yeah. We, we wait with the same person 10 times if they drive by. right? Yep, yep. So uh-huh. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but what happens in that moment of just it, you're you're showing acceptance to, to somebody, you're laughing, talking. You probably know where they work, what they do for a living, how many kids they have all within 30 seconds. And you've lightened the mood for both people. And sometimes what you will find is that it has nothing to do with you. It really has to do with something else going on. You may find out they're going through a divorce, their spouse is sick, their kids are sick. There are so many things going on with people that have nothing to do with you. And by showing just a little bit of kindness, you open a door just to having a positive exchange with somebody else. You know, I've always wondered what is a thing that makes us default to judgment? You know, like every white woman is a Karen, every black man in a hoodie is going to rob. We see examples of it and it's hard not to stereotype. To quickly explain that, these are the circles of influence we're steeped in since birth. These are the people and the institutions that you love and trust the most in the world that has taught you about the world and how to perceive it. So if you think about once we're born, we, we come here with a clean slate. We don't know anything. But our family, as they should, they start to, and I, and I think of it as a movie reel, so clean slate, but they start depositing pictures mm-hmm. and thoughts onto that slate. That's what they're supposed to do. Our parents are supposed to guide us and lead us, but based on what they have been through, th- that depends on what they're going to download into your system. So first you have your family, then you have your peers and your friends, then you have the schools um, that you attended, you have the government you live under, the religion you practice, and then media. Mm-hmm. And media is huge, of course. So all of these things are telling you how you should live, who you should love, uh, what you should look like. You know, there's a t- chapter in my book called Redefining Normal. And what I hate about that word is everybody, it makes everybody feel like they have to fit in. And quite frankly, a lot of people don't feel normal. Raise a spoon to grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. So, you know, I always think the problem with the word is that whoever came up with it didn't ask the rest of the world what it meant to them. To me, that biosphere... You know, um, I always tell a story about my grandmother and she was just this amazing woman and being from a small town and her being, you know, baking everything. uh, Everybody loved her as well. But when she worked for this white family, they employed her for many years. But when she would take me to work with her, um, I would play with her boss's grandkids. Mm -hmm. And this only they, they, they weren't from 
the same state. So they were only there a couple of times. But every time I would go, you know, and they would ask me, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I hadn't thought about it. I was really young and I hear the other kids giving these great answers. Well, when it's my turn, I say I want to be a maid like my grandma because I just think, you know, she's amazing. They're clapping and cheering. And in my mind, I'm like, yes, I did this. But grandma comes out of the bag. Right. And grandma's like, no, this ain't what we doing. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, do you think I'm doing this because I want to? I'm like, yeah, yeah you know, because I think adults do what they want to. Long story short, she's like, no, I'm doing this because I have to. I wanted to be a nurse. They wouldn't allow it. So what happens is here's grandma, who I think is the best person in the whole world, telling me, no, white folks, they're going to think you stole this. They're going to they're gonna teach you the way they taught the other kids. So you're going to have to learn this at home. You don't get to play outside every day. We're going to do numbers and count and we're going to do all these other things that you're supposed to learn in school. So what that downloaded for me is I can't trust white people. I can't be myself around them. I have to be who they think I should be. All of these things. And what the interesting part of that was that I had never had a negative interaction with a white person in my life at that time. But it it clicked for me because this woman said it. And if grandma said it, that's what it was. As loving as she was to everybody, for her, it was such a big thing to be born into in a 1923 world as a black woman that regardless of how she felt about these people, she was going to teach me how to navigate in this world. Right. So we carry these things. I mean, everything she went through was probably 1930, 1940. Here we are still here. And that stuff follows us. So I, I really think our biosphere is what makes us form those judgments. You know, I had a friend of mine who's Mexican. She said, when I came to the U.S., I was told not to uh, not to be around black people. I was told to talk to fear. I was taught to not trust. And she said, when I started to talk with you and other people, I was like, wait a minute. These people seem like really cool people, but I've always been on my guard. It's those people that love us that are really quick to to tell us things that that really, really change the trajectory of our lives and how the, how we treat people and how we view the world. And it's yes. interesting because I think a lot of black folks, a lot of black folks struggle with being unapologetically black, afraid to be black in front of white folks. And I even see it sometimes with myself, the whole code switching, you know, yes. I just never use that word. Why am I talking to this white woman like this? I don't. And it's just <laughs> we just don't realize how ingrained it is. Yes, it is. Innate. Like we were that was drilled into us. You have to talk to white folks a certain way. That was drilled into us. So that's that we go into a completely different mode. And, and my nephew, I laughed so hard. He's uh, he's 15 now. He probably was 13. And I was on the phone with my accountant and uh, we were going, we were in a hotel room and, and he looks at me and he's mouthing like, are you talking to a white person? And I put the phone <laughs> on me. I said, what? He's like, that's a white person. is it? I said, yeah. So why'd you say that? He was like, you and, you and mommy have the same voice for white people. Oh, no, he didn't call you out. <laughs> and so I was like, nephew, he was like, y'all do you and mommy have the same voice? And I said, okay, I got it. This is what I do for a living. This is bad. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He called me out. And I remember calling my grandma out about it too. Like, why are you talking like that? And yeah. so, you know, I, I really hope we get to a place in the world where Black folks feel comfortable enough to just show up as who they are. Oh, is this your first Second book? book? Second, Second book. book. So you're still pretty new to the author game because yes. I've in my mind, I'm like, ooh, I want to write a book. The people who actually complete the book, they're just so fascinating to me because I'm like, how did you do that? What were some of your obstacles in actually completing the book? I know we talked about your own self-discovery and some of the things that you realize about yourself, but 
you know, one of the things that we'd like to talk about on this podcast is following through with our goals and habits. What was the BS, if any, that you had to overcome to complete this book? Actually sitting down writing the book. Mm-hmm. It is the, and I know it's, it is so difficult to do. I'm, I'm a pretty disciplined person, but I notice when I sit down to, to write, I'll clean my nails about a hundred times. I'm looking at something in the house and I'm like, yes, get that real quick. I'm just going to, it's been there forever, but I'm today I'm going to get it. (laughs) I'm going to clean it up. So now I got the whole space clean. Everything looks marvelous and it's sparkling and I'm still sitting here. And then I'm picking at my nails and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I gotta, I've got to do the thing. And that's what I think happens with goals. Um, One of the things I noticed about myself that I was actually very proud to pat myself on the back about because I don't think we do this as as entrepreneurs, as black women, was that I really I've set out to accomplish certain goals and I've I've accomplished all the goals that I set out to do. It was amazing to me to look back over my journals over 20 years. And what I noticed is that um, discipline was super important to building a business, to playing basketball, to writing the book. If you don't have discipline, you are not going to get it done. If you don't close everybody out, if you don't focus, one of the things that really helped me was focus days also. On this day, at this time, this is all I'm doing. Figuring out where in my life the book fit in, which yeah. unfortunately for me was like 5 a.m., 5.30, because the phone's not ringing. Yeah. Um, nobody is texting at that time. It's just kind of you in the world. And you're sitting there and I, I would light the candle and I turn on the smooth jazz and get to it and and really would have to bring my thoughts back in so much um, because again, you know, I noticed everything around me at that time, mm-hmm. but it's where I found the most solitude It's where I could really get into myself and, um, and write. And, you know, some days you might write a whole chapter one day, you might write a paragraph and you got to call it good either way. Yeah. Um, I tell just one thing, what is that one thing you can do every day towards your goal? It might not be the easiest thing, but it, one thing that you can fit into your day that's going to help you to move toward it. And sometimes is just getting out the bed. I mean, but you got to call it, call it all a win because we have so many things going on around us. Yeah. I love that you shared that because so often when it comes to goals, most of us are very emotionally attached to our goals, you know, especially if they are goals that are truly aligned with our purpose. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes to taking action on those goals, oftentimes feel as though we need to feel like doing something. And that's where I think discipline comes in because but when it's written, it's real. If you say you're going to do this at this time on this day and it's on your schedule, you know, you're going to do it just like you would go to a doctor's appointment, to the gym, grocery yes. shopping, whatever. Yeah, your word is bond. Like, and if you are a person of your word and you keep your word with everybody in your life but yourself, you're doing yourself a, a, a disjustice, an injustice. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Disjustice is not a word. You're doing yourself. In- <laughs> and I'm, all, I'm all like, mm-hmm, yeah, disjustice, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're doing yourself an injustice. Like, who is that person that matters most to you in the world? And I know it's it's our spouses and our kids and our parents, but it has to be us, too. Yeah. You get one life. And if you ever listen to really old people, I remember reading uh, this article about people over 100 their one regret was not living the life that they envisioned for themselves. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, one of the things I tell people is you got to prioritize your uh, the people around you. So you have to prioritize your your business, right? Or your professional goals. But in order to do that, sometimes you've got to look back at everything around you. You may have parents that you care for. Yeah. You may have the kids, you may have the spouse. You may work for a company, but wish to be an entrepreneur. You still are going to have to look at it and say, can I really do this? And if I'm going to really do it, what do I need to move around in my life to prioritize my goals? You may have to tell your kid, I'm not going to make all the basketball games. Okay. I'm going to try to make half of the games. Kids don't understand that. Mm-hmm. They don't understand why you can't be at every game. But what happens when you accomplish those goals is you're a better child, you're a better parent, you're a better spouse because you're also giving to yourself as much as you're giving to others. You know, the word authenticity is often thrown around and yes. misused. How would you define authenticity at its core? At its core, it is aligning with who you are in your inside. Is the person that you are on the inside, is that who you're showing to the world on the outside? Most of us are not showing our inner selves because it doesn't qualify as normal. So when I say authenticity, and companies bristle at the word, I don't want to expect people, your employees to show up in pajamas. You know, I don't (laughs) expect them to show up in the fuzzy house shoes. And um, that's not what I mean. What I mean is... Are you able to take what is inside of you and allow that glow on the outside of you? Most of us are not doing that. We're so, we just talked about code switching. We're so used to code switching. We don't even, it's just automatic. Yeah. It's automatic for us. But what's real for us is when we get around our homegirls, we drop all the, all the, the formality and we're, we're just who we are. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go up to the CEO and say, yo, what's up? Like, I, Oh, yes, bitch. Yes. No, no. Yeah, no, no, I'm no, not. No. Don't do that. Not, we ain't getting air snatching. Yeah, yeah. On no, we're not. not. <laughs> we ain't air snatching on them. <laughs> but, like, what, do you see a fly? Like, what's going on? Like, yes. <laughs> but I do think, <laughs> I do think that you can be who you are. You can talk about the things that that matter to you. You can um, not have to feel like you have to be so perfect that you're not even taking the opportunity to have a have a real exchange with this person. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of us that are are black and brown folks, we wear a complete suit of armor to work, and we are deflecting all the BS that's coming at us, and we're practicing so hard to be who everybody thinks that we should be that we we can't even do the job. Because we're we're so worried about all of these things and all these chinks in our armor, if we could just release that and just be who we are and be able to talk about our weekend just like everybody else, yeah, um, be able to talk about uh, those things that are important to us just like everybody else, that is you being authentically you. 
it, sometimes we feel like we need to adjust for the world. And then what mm-hmm. I realize, they really don't care. You know, I wear my, I wear the same le- leggings I wore a couple weeks ago, posted on social media. No one has ever said, you just yeah. wore those leggings. They don't, really don't care. Yeah. I'm never going to be that person that has one outfit for one thing. Yeah. And so I do think you have to be able to, you have to be able to separate. So Risha Grant, the book, Be Better Than Your BS, How Radical Acceptance Empowers Authenticity and Creates a Workplace Culture of Inclusion. We know how beneficial this can be for folks in the workplace, for managers, for employees. But in what ways can this benefit folks outside of corporate environment or work environment? Right. So the first part of the book is for individuals. The second part of the book is for corporations. I love the first part of the book so much more. Even though I have some some really amazing stories in that second part, to me, you can have the best policies and procedures in the world at, at, at work. But if people are still showing up at, with all the BS and treating people badly, none of that matters. So the first part really focuses on you and your self-awareness. Mm, I love it. It teaches you to it, it asks you a lot of questions for you to really become self-aware of who you are who you desire to be and how the influences around you have shaped you. Mm-hmm. And so once you figure that, figure out that stuff for yourself, to me, you're the better person. That's not just showing up at work, but you're showing up for your friends. You're showing up at church. You're showing up in every place that you go as this better person, because you actually know what your BS is and you know how it shows up in your behavior toward others. It's a lesson in learning who you are and why you're the way that you are so that you can assess the things that you want to make you better. And when you talked about asking yourself questions, I love really infusing actionable insight into each episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So can you give me an example of three questions that people can start to ask themselves to get to know themselves better and to embrace that authenticity that we talked about earlier? Yeah, I I think the first thing, and, and I mentioned this earlier, but is but asking yourself, could my thinking be wrong? And I can't think of a situation where it could, because the word is could, could my thinking be wrong here? Um, That is always a yes, it could be. And what that means then is, so let me go and educate myself more on this subject. Um, I think the other question to ask yourself is, do I know how I'm showing up to others? How are other people perceiving Mm -hmm. me, viewing me? I think it's really important to know that. And maybe that's where you can ask, go out and ask your friends. Another quick note to that is that I find especially in companies that um, if you don't ask yourself that question, it may be tied to why you didn't get the promotion, where the pay raise is, mm. um, why it is that you're not um, you're not excelling at work. That yes. is a really good one. <clears throat> yes. How am I showing up? That is, you can't be, you cannot be late every single day. You can't be the person that can never stay later to work on the project that everybody else is staying on, then expect to get those same things. Third question maybe how my experiences have impacted me. We are living through the past hurts, pains, and experiences of the people who raised us. Those things are in us. Then we have our own experiences on top of what they have taught us. And now we have a view of people that is unfair, is judgmental. It is the thing that makes you show up differently. Also, when you're asking yourself, how do I show up? These things are probably impacting the way that you show up in the world. You are magical energy. Absolutely love (laughs) everything that you said. Be better than your BS, how radical acceptance empowers authenticity and creates a workplace culture of inclusion. So tell folks how they can get the book and follow you and support you and see everything that you have going on. 
Yes, please get the book at Amazon, Be Better Than Your BS. My website is reshagrant.com. I am going to be starting a new website called the Be Better Institute. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to share. I was going to ask about that. Me. When's the workshop? When's the masterclass? Yes, yes. I'm, getting, I'm getting to that. <laughs> I'm going to launch in, in April, but I am super excited about this because it'll be a membership site where people can get this information. We're going to build community. I am looking forward to releasing that. So look for that as well. Risha, thank you so much for this inspiring, entertaining, and insightful <laughs> conversation. Very much appreciated and continued blessings to you and everything that you thank do. Thank you. That's another feel-good episode of Mind, Body, and Business in the Bag. Hey, be sure to follow and subscribe. I would also greatly appreciate a rating or review, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really helps with engagement and it spreads that MBB love, all right? Remember, new episodes drop every Wednesday. Plus, you can stay connected with the Mind, Body, and Business podcast at Pod on Instagram and Facebook. As always, I enjoyed this time with you. Truly appreciate your ear and look forward to another empowering conversation on the next episode. Until then, take care. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.